straight efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. In episode 50, Bill Bleem, Vice President of Fleet Services at NFI, joins me on my 50th podcast and talks about NFI's operations, the little things you can do to improve fuel economy, how he got excited about electric vehicles, and two big challenges he faces in doing so. We also explore the importance of building a good team and why you need to identify and fix things that take you away from the goals you have achieved. Today we have joining me, Bill Blaine. Bill's the Senior Vice President of Fleet Services at NFI. Hello, Bill. Thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Michael. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Um, you know, this is, uh, we're celebrating my 50th podcast today. Um, it's been a lot of fun and it's been a good talking with people about, you know, what they're doing around their trucks or developing components or all kinds of aspects of freight efficiency. And I guess I can, I can confirm with you, I got at least 50 friends. Is that, is that way, way you view it, Bill? <laughs> well, yeah, at least you have 50 people that'll talk to you. Um, but you have one definite friend with me, Mike. Oh, very good. So do you remember how we first met? Uh, I think when we became friends might have been around 2014 at the Mid-America Truck Show. Uh, HDT was, uh, was awarding NFI with Fleet Innovator of the Year Award. And I was up there with a couple of other very respected candidates. And I was talking about air tabs. And I believe that you and I had a pretty lengthy discussion over the topic of air tabs at that show in Louisville, Kentucky. You may correct me, uh, but I believe that's really when we became friends. Tell us about NFI. I mean, what do you haul? Uh, how many trucks and drivers, kind of the business of NFI? And, and maybe tell us some things that I don't even know or might be a surprise to, uh, to our listeners. So, yeah, I don't know how much is a surprise, but um, NFI, number one, great company, uh, family owned business. We're in third generation right now. Uh, just a little bit about the, the family. So, so this year we're celebrating 90 years in the business. We have, I believe, six of the fourth generation or, or 4G, as we call them, our, our current owner's uh, children in the business in various stages. One of the interesting things that they do is that um, in order for them to come into the business, they need to go you know, get their college degree and then they need to work for an outside company for a couple of years. Uh, and then they bring them into the business and they start on the ground floor and work their way up through several different, you know, jobs in the business, which, uh, which leads me into what is the business, right? And why is there so many different jobs? So, so a lot of people don't know, you know, they, they see NFI, they think of uh, trucks and we currently have about 4,500 trucks in our fleet, 3,000 of those company-owned assets and, and 1,500 owner-operators, and about 13,000 pieces of trailing equipment, you know, mostly trailers, but we have a, uh, a, we have a lot of chassis and, and whatnot also. Uh, but besides all those trucks and trailers and chassis that we have running around, we also 
own and or operate upwards of 58, I think we're up to 60 million square foot of warehouse space in North America. So we, we uh, that's actually the largest uh, revenue generator in our, in our business right now is our, is our distribution. We also do cross stock. Uh, we are the largest drainage carrier in, uh, in the United States and uh, global. And we have a very large non-asset uh, brokerage division. And we're also into refrigerated intermodal. So, so, uh, so very, uh, very diversified in our business. I think the only thing we don't do end to end is final mile, and we will continue not to do final mile. But it's um, like I said, it's a great company. One one thing that I learned actually yesterday was that um, was that we, you know, we have been in business, as I said, for 90 years. And I have been with them for 12 years. And 10 years ago, <clears throat> we hit $1 billion in revenue. So, so it took us 80 years to get to 1 billion. And then it took us eight years beyond that to get to 2 billion. And then this year, two years later, we hit 3 billion. Wow. So, so wow. We, we have grown 80 years, 1 billion, eight years, 2 billion, and two years, 3 billion. Right. Besides final mile, though, Bill, you also don't do truckload. So you, you tend to be a, uh, a day cab driven regional um, carrier, uh, carrier and, and even to your own warehouses or to others. Do I have that right? Uh, well, no. Yes and no. So, so we do do truckload. That's all we do. Uh, we don't do over the road truckload, truckload, contractual, you know, over the road, long distances. All of our business is uh, in the transportation area. 99.9% of our business is uh, dedicated where we're signing contracts with the customer. We are, we are hauling their freight from their distribution centers to their distributors or to their stores or whatever the case may be. Uh, but it is mainly regional. Our average length of haul is about 375 miles. And that 370, can you help me with a definition, Bill? Because I've always wondered about this. That is, um, when you call length of haul, um, what is that? Is that from when you pick up one load and to a stop, or are there multiple stops in that length of haul? Or how do you define length of haul? Uh, yes, to all those questions. So, yes, it's so length of haul, we're saying out and back. I don't know how many stops are going to be. So, so one one operation we might go out and back and stop at six stores. One operation we might go out and back and stop at one stop and unload everything, which is the most which is most of our operations. So we're going to get into run on less here in a little bit, but that that truck that operated in run on less electric last year was a day cab day cab uh, drayage truck, and it could make two trips to the port uh, or more, but um, so would would the trip from the warehouse to the port and back, would that be one length of haul and then the second time be a second length of haul or would both yeah. of them combined be one length of haul? 
Yeah, no, that would be, uh, you know, that's a uh, one length of one uh, length of haul on that. We may make uh, multiple trips. We do that in a lot of our operations to utilize our assets. You know, it's in the industry, it's called slip seating, where we will, we, we have trucks that, uh, that will do over a thousand miles a day because we're, we're slip seating them and they're doing two 500 plus mile runs where one driver goes out back, gets out of the truck, a second driver gets in that truck and goes out and back again. Uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah. So I want to spend some time talking about both your journey on diesel efficiency and then on electric trucks or on time together. So, um, you know, I, uh, you know, as I've known you over time, I think you even mentioned it recently that you improved the miles per gallon of your fleet by one and a half. I mean, that's huge. So, you know, I, I don't know your exact numbers, but you know, you're probably talking something like six to seven and a half or seven to eight and a half. Um, and that's a lot. And particularly now with, Diesel now, you know, at an eight-year high, um, that's really important. So, how did you do that? And um, over the period of time, and just give us some insights on how how that was accomplished. Sure. Um, not only did we go up a, a mile and a half, I think we're actually a little higher than that now. But uh, but that was over um, the last decade, and uh, not only that improvement in MPG, but we also had during that same time period an 81.3% reduction in NOx um, emissions. So, so we get the bang for the buck, right? So, so we're, we're polluting less and we're getting better fuel economy. Uh, and it took a lot of work. So I, when I came here in 2009 to NFI, they had already started their uh, fuel improvement journey. They had, they actually had a, uh, a fuel committee in place when I got here, and um, and they had a fuel czar uh, who happened to be our uh, senior uh, counsel, SVP and legal counsel. Uh, so so which was kind of ironic because he was asking me a bunch of MPG questions when they interviewed me. He was one of the people that interviewed me, and I'm like, why is our lawyer asking me MPG questions? But that's <laughs> that's how that's how we you know they they got everybody involved. So so they had already implemented uh, before I came on board. Um, speed decrease, right? So 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 speed was a big uh, determining, you know, improvement. Uh, so that was already implemented before the mile and a half of the, the decade, but um, we had figured out at the time, and it's a lot higher now, but every 10th of a mile, every mile per hour over 60 was equated to a 10th of a mile per gallon for us. And every 10th of a mile per gallon for us at the time in 2010 equated to about $1.1 million annually. Uh, so, so that was our, our motivating factor. So they had, they had decreased speed. They had implemented wide base tires with aluminum wheels, uh, which we still run today. Uh, that took 1,200 pounds of weight out of, out of our tractors. And they implemented, had already implemented a uh, five minute idle shutdown. And, and then building on that, um, 
we had APUs, diesel APUs that were costing us an arm and a leg and burning diesel and this and that. And in 2010, uh, we implemented in every one of our sleepers going forward battery APUs. So we had the we had the five minute idle shutdown. We had battery operated APUs for our guys sleeping in the trucks overnight. We we did some spec changes. We did some. Uh, we obviously we we downsped uh, our gear ratios. We went to direct drive transmissions, um, and and we we our our top speed was going to be sixty one to sixty three miles an hour, depending on if you were in a day cab sleeper or in cruise control. So we geared everything to that 63 miles per hour. So our, you know, that when that truck was running 63, it was in the optimal sweet spot of, of where that RPMs needed to be. Um, 2014, we went to automated manual transmissions in the entire fleet, every truck going forward. So today uh, we basically have 100% automated manual transmissions. And, and it's interesting because based on the supply chain shortage uh, today, I just came across uh, 11 brand new freight liners that somebody couldn't use and offered to sell us. And I'm buying these and um, they are not our spec truck. And one of the things is they have 10 speed manual transmission. So I told operations, I said, I said, hey, you know, I'm buying these trucks. We need to figure out what operation to put them in. And uh, and they all were like, well, you know, it's got to be someplace where we have experienced drivers, somebody that knows how to drive. And I, and I said to them, I'm like, you know, six years ago, seven years ago, you were all saying, you know, these guys didn't want an automated <laughs> manual. They wanted to ship. They could do it better. Um, so so that was, uh, that was uh, a big change that helped us. Trailer Gap. Um, we have a really, really tight trailer gap. We do not do 42 inch fifth wheel setting. We do a 36 inch fifth wheel pin setting. Um, we snug that trailer up to the back of the tractor as best we can. You know, this sounds very, you know, just very similar to, you know, what we talk about at NACFI a lot. I mean, there's no, there's no big things here. It's a whole bunch of little things, and but they can stack up and and really make a difference. Um, and that that's how you're getting that that kind of fuel economy. And yeah, with diesel prices where they are, man, it's a it's a big deal. Um, yeah. What then? What then? Uh, you know, I mean, throughout the industry, Bill, you're kind of known as the pioneer of electric tractors. Um, what then? You know, tell us when. How did that occur? And um, you know, uh, uh, and where are you at now with it? So, kind of, when did when did you get the bug for electric? I remember you when NACFI started studying electric. You were one of the first people that that reached out to us, or we reached out to you. I mean, how did that happen? And um, uh, in hindsight, how do you how do you view uh, your work on electric tractors? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And we, so we're in the midst of all this uh, MPG improvement and um, and looking at, remember I, I mentioned that 81.3% reduction in NOx. Our owners are um, are very, we, we have some, uh, we have some very encouraging values as a company and being a private company, um, you know, we get to do and say what we want to do, right? 
Um, and one of those is our, our owners who are turning out the company over to 4G sometime in the next probably 10 to 15 years, they want, they want to turn over a clean company uh, for 4G and give all of our children a better place to live. So, so when uh, that, that company that, um, that we're still waiting to get a truck produced from called Tesla, uh, invited, started inviting people out to, to see this great idea that they have for this battery electric truck. We, like every other carrier out there, probably went out to visit um, them in the spring of 2017. Uh, and, uh, and I have to say, I was very impressed and encouraged with what they were doing. And uh, I'm still impressed and encouraged by what they're doing. Um, there's just some doubts there. But, but the thing that they did was, uh, was they got our minds here at NFI reeling on the possibilities of electric trucks. And they got us excited about it. And, um, and I remember having a conversation with our CEO, uh, it was a one year, they we went to the, I think it was the first year of the, the North American truck show in Atlanta mm -hmm. uh, that, that they were doing every other year. And I got to, the fortunate circumstance of, of attending that show with our CEO. And so along with that benefit comes, you know, getting to fly with him on his jet down to Atlanta. And on that, on that jet, we had uh, some fast, fantastic conversations about electric trucks. And he said to me, he said, you know, when we go down here, we're going to be meeting with the execs from, from Daimler and from Volvo and International. Uh, he says, we need to get them lit us be involved with what they're doing. So that's what we did. We, we met with them and we said, you know, what are you guys doing with electric trucks? This is a future and we want to be involved with whatever you're doing. So, uh, so we were, so, so we, we, that, that, uh, that January, uh, Andreas from Daimler came to us uh, in Cherry Hill and pitched uh, his lithium battery powered electric trucks to us. And next thing you know, us along with Penske were in the uh, Daimler Innovation Fleet. Yep. And, yep. And we we launched our first uh, electric tractor on the road in uh, less than two summers later in 2019. And yep. by the end of this year, Bill, how many electric tractors will you have in operation? By the end of this year, we will be out of our. Um, our 12 pre-production demo units that we are running today, uh, we will have 30 production uh, battery electric units on the road, and we will have an additional 30 um, on the road by the end of the first quarter. So we'll have 60, and the there is a very good possibility we're talking with another manufacturer right now i'm working through some grants that we will probably have another 10 by the end of this year so we will probably have 40 by the end of this year production units and 30 more three months later 
Yeah, you know, here here at NACFI, I mean, we're we're into you know very into what's classically called you know a product diffusion curve. So you've got you know uh, innovators, early adopters, what they call the early majority, a later majority, and laggards. And so, you know, what you did for the industry, you know, on that plane to Atlanta, and then um, with all of the discussions you had and so forth. I mean, you were truly an innovator of electric trucks, Bill. I mean, and, and NFI. I mean, you, 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 you felt or you believed that there was a total cost of ownership and a future of these trucks. But boy, back then, I mean, we, we didn't, we knew very little about what these trucks would do. So there was a little bit of faith, but uh, real good insight. And, 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 you know, given the duty cycle and the, the nature of your business, um, you know, it, it, it made more sense for you as a company than, than maybe some others with those length of hauls and return to base that we were talking about, but congratulations on that. I know um, every day, because how do you, let me ask you a question. How do you get the, how do you continually work on the fleet that you have and buying new trucks every year? I mean, you're, you know, at 60 electric trucks, you're still buying thousands of, um, you know, or a thousand or hundreds to a thousand new diesel trucks every year. I mean, how do you do it all? How do you, how do you keep working on the, on the uh, current trucks in the population, specking and, and, and figuring out new diesel trucks while you're working on electric? Do you have different people working on these different things or how, how do you make it all happen? It's uh, that, that's a, that's an awesome question because, um, because that job is becoming more and more challenging. The more we get through supply chain issues right now, the, um, the I have two separate challenges, right? So the electric is, is setting up everything that goes with the electric, right? So, so we have gotten fantastic at knowing what we need to do, right? Along with setting up these these electric trucks, you know, we're we're setting up the largest heavy duty charging infrastructure facility with a microgrid at the same time that we're hoping to have operating by October. So I have I have one team working on that. At the same time, our orders for our new tractors are are getting you know diminished to where the the OEMs cannot supply us with the tractors that we ordered. Um, so to give an example, I had 250 of last year's order pushed into this year, and I ordered 750 tractors for this year, and I only have 500 committed by the OEMs on the orders that I gave them. Um, so our diesel fleet is getting out there and age, so that's a challenge. But here's here's the answer to your question, Mike. You have to have a good team, and I consistently challenge them to. You know, I just made a phone call to to one of my team this morning, and I and I I said, hey, here's here's what I did. I bought these trucks opportunity they don't have fifth wheels on them we got to move the the stuff from the back because it was set up for pinnel hooks to the back and and he said you know it's going to be hard and i said well does that, are you telling me you accepted the challenge he said absolutely we'll get it done um and that's that's what you need to do you need, you need to have a good team that helps with everything that you're doing hire experts challenge them that's how we that's how we increase the mpg right we got to a point where we're like we can't do anything else and we're like okay yeah we we now now we need to go down to those less than one percent things and see if we should be adding it you know they always have that challenge out there 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we quickly run out of time, Bill, but um, your insights around uh, the how, how you look at the um, operations of your trucks, forward thinking about technologies, particularly electric, and what can it can do for you, and then and then uh, just going aggressively after it is um, really something the industry thanks you for. What are a couple of other things that that you, given what you've learned here and what you're doing, would you suggest other fleet leaders really pay attention to as they navigate the next five or ten years? Keep at it. Build a great team. Get the respect of your team to want to you know accept these challenges from you as a leader. Uh, and that, that's number one, right? Set the challenges and get them to want to impress you by accepting the challenges and get them done. And then the, the second thing that I would say that I look at all the time is look for what takes away from everything that you've been doing, everything that you've built up. So we talked about, um, we talked about the MPG, uh, we talked about the electric trucks, right? So so look for what takes away. If I, I, I spent 10 years in getting our MPG up, you know, one and a half miles per gallon or more. And now I look at what takes away from some of those gains, right? What, what, what's happening? And just an example would be like, you know, arrow that is put on your trucks and, and how much efficiency is lost when you have a trailer skirt that is, dented in, you know, are, are you actually costing more fuel because the way that air is now being distributed? Um, so, so always, that's just one example, mm -hmm. but always look for things that will deteriorate what you have done. Um, identify them and fix them. Thanks, Bill. Looking forward to seeing you, you know, out in the shows and wherever we, we meet up. Um, but thanks for joining me and uh, you uh, keep all the great work you're doing there um, at NFI going. All right. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure to talk to you anytime. Freight Efficiency with NACV's Mike Rosen Friends.